Mark 9, 17 to 29. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. O unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can come out only by prayer, or some manuscripts say only by prayer and fasting. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. There was a man who lived about 500 years ago named Ignatius, and he wanted to be a soldier. He fought in the Spanish army, and they were battling against France one day in a battle in 1521. It was in the Spanish city of Pamplona, and his leg was blown off by a cannon. Ugh. Left leg totally gone, and right leg pretty, uh, pretty damaged, severely wounded. Well, this young man, he had spent his whole life, you know, 20, 25 years at that point, dreaming of being a soldier. That's all he wanted to do. He wanted to be a soldier in the Spanish army. He wanted to fight. He wanted to go up into battle. That was the plan that he had for his life. But God had another plan. And on that battlefield in Pamplona, When his leg was blown off, God revealed that plan to him. During the recuperation, all he had to read was the life of Christ and the life of the saints. And he grew and grew. And God directed his path in a new way. He began to grow and hear from God. And he became Ignatius of Loyola who is a very famous um, saint in the Catholic Church, and he developed this uh, method of hearing from God. 
You know, Ignatian spirituality, discerning where God is moving in your life and how the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And he has been a blessing to millions of Christians for 500 years, Catholics, Orthodox, Protestant Christians. He called what happened to him his Pamplona moment. So I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. You know, because we all sort of have a Pamplona moment where we have a plan and yet God interrupts and maybe sends our life in a different direction or uh, God walks with us through suffering. You know, maybe we didn't get our leg blown off, but it feels like it. <laughs> you know, some emotional difficulty, some relationship problem, a, a job that just ended out of the, out of the clear blue sky. So today I want to talk to you about, you know, how God walks with us through those Pamplona moments. How he never leaves us, how he walks alongside of us. Because I think a lot of us think, well, I don't, I don't want a Pamplona moment. I don't want to go through that. I don't want my leg shot off. I don't want my kids to suffer or to have to go through that. That doesn't sound very fun. But what if those things, what if those times are the way that God gets our attention? The way that he walks with us? What if going through Pamplona moments brings deeper faith in Christ, deeper trust in him? What if it brings joy and contentment and wisdom? All these things that come from the Holy Spirit. When we walk through that suffering. What if, what if we are so stubborn sometimes that God, God allows us to go through these things. To get our attention and to change us. To deepen our faith in him. What if C.S. Lewis was right? He said that God whispers to us in our pleasures. Speaks in our conscience. But shouts in our pain. God shouts in our pain. He gets our attention. It's God's megaphone to the world. So today we're going to look at this passage, which is sort of a Pamplona moment for this boy, for the dad, and even for the disciples. That God gets their attention. God changes them. God transforms them. It's really easy to see how the boy was transformed because he was suffering He had an evil spirit. But what about the dad? He was transformed too. What about the disciples? They were transformed too. God did all of it. It was this Pamplona moment for them too. And that that transformation, that change, it's available to each one of us as well. When we have the eyes to see that God is with us through that. God uses these trials to transform us, to change us in the people that he wants us to be. So let's look at how God changed this boy, how God changed the dad, and how God changed the disciples. The boy, the dad, and the disciples. So first, he transforms this boy through through this healing. And it it was sudden. It was visible. It was very dramatic. Did you look at all those words and all those images that were brought up? That God, that Jesus 
came and brought healing. And we've seen that again and again as we've made our way through Mark's gospel. That Jesus came. He saw the boy. He asked about him. He he knew that he had been suffering for a long time. And he cast the evil spirit out of him. It was an exorcism. It was an exorcism. Maybe not a word that we think of all the time. But Jesus cast out that demon out of the boy. And it was so shocking and so dramatic that people thought he was dead. The boy was lying there on the ground. And then Jesus, wow, can you picture this? An amazing, Jesus scooped down and picked up the boy, took him by the hand, and brought him up. And he saw that that healing. One commentator says that the meaning of the exorcisms in Mark can be put into three words. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over the creation. Jesus is Lord over demons. Jesus is Lord over death. Jesus is Lord over hell. Jesus is Lord over all the pain. And he takes that boy. He has the power to do all that. How do, we think of, how do we think of miracles? How do we think of exorcisms? It's interesting because it's not even a miracle how we think of it. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is time traveling. Jesus is time traveling. He's bringing the kingdom of God that's going to rule over the whole earth, and he's bringing it into that moment. Because do, do 13, 14, 15-year-old boys have seizures in heaven? Is the new kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth going to be full of sick kids? No. No sickness, no mourning, no crying, no pain. And Jesus brings with him the kingdom. So that is what's happening in this Pamplona moment, in this time of transformation. But what about us? What about us? We often want Jesus to change our situation without changing us. We want the pain to go away. We want the sickness to go away. We want the marriage to be healed overnight. We we want everything to be perfect. And yet, Jesus walks alongside of us on his timeline, in his way, And sometimes the healing doesn't come until heaven. Sometimes the healing doesn't come until the time of death. But the transformation is there for us. If we're open to it. If we see God moving. The Apostle Paul, he prayed three times for his thorn to be taken away. And what did Jesus say back to him? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We all have those thorns in the flesh. We all have those Pamplona moments when it feels like our leg got shot off. We all have those times that catch us by surprise, these trials that we don't want to go through. And yet God uses it to help us trust in him, to walk with him.
And not only did Jesus do that for this boy, this sick boy, this convulsing boy, but he did it for the dad as well. Can you imagine what this dad must have been feeling? I mean, this is a pre-modern world. He can't take his son to a doctor or a nurse. And he, so he, brings, he hears about these guys. They're followers of Jesus. They're disciples. I've heard they've healed other people. But he brings them, and they can't do it. And we'll talk about that a little later. But then he comes to Jesus. Teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't. The frustration of unanswered prayer. I mean, this boy is 13, 14, 15 years old. This has been going on for 15 years. Have you ever prayed about something for 15 years and God didn't answer it? Or didn't answer it in the way that you thought that he would? And you keep praying and you keep asking God. And then one of the most powerful and honest and real and transparent verses in the New Testament, I do believe, help, my, help me overcome my unbelief. Or as the message translates it on the cover of our bulletin here, I believe, help me with my doubts. I believe, help me with my doubts. One pastor said that the world is full of half-believing unbelievers and half-unbelieving believers. He's saying that the world is full of people like this, people who say they're unbelievers, but they want to believe, or they're believers, but they still struggle with that, with that doubt, and they want their faith to grow. Well, what Jesus, what Jesus said to that father, you know, he says to us this morning that everything is possible, for those who believe. Everything is possible for those who believe. Jesus transforms this, this dad through, through faith, through that healing, through the challenging words, through demonstrating and showing the power of the kingdom of God. And then Jesus goes and transforms the disciples through their prayer life and challenging them In verse 28, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, why couldn't we drive it out? I don't get it. This worked before. What's going on? And they're embarrassed. (laughs) I think they're embarrassed. They They lack humility. They lack wisdom. They're starting to think that they can do this on their own without needing Jesus' power without needing a connection to God, without prayer. And I'm sure, I'm sure that this was a transformative moment for them because read the rest of the gospel, read the book of Acts, look at the way that they prayed, look at the way that they called out to God, look at the power that the Holy Spirit gave them that turned that world upside down. Jesus challenged them, commit to prayer, commit to fasting, And they did it. And the Spirit moved through them. 
prayer is, prayer is one way that we can respond to God and his invitation to go deeper with him, to be transformed. Whatever trial we're walking through, whatever difficulty we have, the mourning, the grief, the pain that so many of us struggle with, when we bring that to Jesus, he transforms us. And a lot of that is through, it's through prayer. Do we, do we want to be transformed? Pray. Do we want to talk to God? Do we want to unload our, our burdens and speak to someone? Talk to God. Pray. Do we want to hear from God and hear what he has to say? Pray. Go to his word and pray. And God speaks. There's one way that we can do this really practically. Uh, some friends of mine that are in ministry, every six months, they take a fixed three weeks of time, and they commit to prayer and fasting. Uh, this movement through Christian Union, their organization, has grown, and now thousands of people across America are going to be praying. It starts on August 12th and goes right up until Labor Day. And all of us can sign up. There's reminders every day that come uh, through email, little videos that encourage you to keep praying. Um, they, they ask people to fast. You know, that could be from a meal. That could be from technology. Ask God, what do you want me to give up for these three weeks so that I can grow closer to you? But I want to invite you to join me in that, in that three-week time of prayer and fasting starting in a couple weeks on August 12th, and we'll see how God moves through that when we draw near to him. So these Pamplona moments, uh, one Christian writer, he, he posted something on Facebook recently and explained Pamplona moments and then asked people, you know, what was that for you? And there were several that really stood out to me. So I want to close by reading a few of these. Stephen Berry wrote, April 30th, 1989, at the bottom of my lost weekend, I was contemplating suicide when the Lord's prayer came to me. I decided then and there to change my life. Brenda Becker wrote, I was broken down utterly after visiting my mother in the hospital. On the street, I was annoyed by a panhandler with a cat. I hate it when people cynically use animals for sympathy. Night was coming on, and I questioned her. Her hard luck and love for the cat were real. I gave her a bit of money, and we were both enveloped by the Holy Spirit. On the sidewalk, we both experienced it. We held each other, and we laughed in delight. I went to my car, and I wept in awe. I was rescued. Not for nothing is Jesus called the Consoler. The Consoler. He consoles our broken hearts. Priscilla Dawson wrote this. When my husband was killed in Vietnam, when he was 29 and I was 27, with two little boys, only through the grace and gentle leading of God did we carry on. And through a difficult period, my, my faith changed and strengthened. All of these, through the difficulty, God got a hold of them. God took them deeper into life with him. I'll read a couple more. 
Lynn Callahan wrote this, God has always been poking me, calling me, and near to me. He has been a persistent and determined lover. But seven years ago, on August 25th, I lost my 25-year-old daughter to a tragic death. Since then, her two younger siblings, my sons, have had terrible difficulties. But guess what? God brought me to my knees and then lifted me up. My oldest son has a beautiful, growing relationship with God, and I'm still praying for the younger guy. How can one lose a child but find themselves in a place of blessing down the road? Of course I mourn for my child, and this time of year is very difficult, but I feel God walking every step of my life with me now. So I step forward in faith and in the knowledge of God's undying love for us. I can't explain it. Susan Schaefer wrote, My beloved father's death from AIDS 33 years ago was a Pamplona moment for me. I had come back to church a few years before, and my newly rediscovered faith in God saw me through this terrible time and the years full of change and new understandings that followed. But this experience of death was the first time I really got that awful things which happen can be catalysts for growth if I pay attention and walk through it all with my heart open to God, his grace, and his loving kindness. Incredible stories of God working through normal people. But I think we, all, we also have to remember that Jesus had his own Pamplona moment. He had his own time of suffering on, on the Garden of Gethsemane, and on the cross. But God, God didn't spare him. Jesus died on that cross so that in all of our Pamplona moments, there can be redemption. There can be healing. There can be wholeness. God can redeem even the darkest moments of our life all the trials and all the troubles. And if, if God did that for Jesus, then how much can he do for us? What will he do for us when we're having those times? We don't have to fear the trial. We don't have to fear what other people think. We don't have to fear anything because Jesus is with us. He's conquered death and sin and hell He's conquered the worst things that the devil or life can throw at us. We saw that this morning in our text, and we see that on the cross. We see that when we come to the table. That our God is a God of redemption. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, King of the universe. Your power is incredible. Your power to not only create, but to redeem and restore. Lord, we thank you that even though you are powerful enough to redeem everything, you know our situations. You know our pain and our struggles. You know the thorn that's in our flesh. Holy Spirit, stir in us so that we might seek you out, not anything else, not any other false God, not any other worldly comfort, 
but that we would see Jesus and that we would run to him and that we would experience his redemption. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, there we go. That's a little louder. This is from 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Let us hear also a brief instruction concerning the purpose for which the sacrament was ordained. When our Lord said, Do this in remembrance of me, he ordained this holy supper as a constant memorial and visible proclamation of his death. The Apostle Paul also teaches us that as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death. As we partake of this communion supper, therefore, we bear witness that our Lord Jesus was sent by the Father into the world, that he took upon himself our flesh and blood, and that he bore the wrath of God on the cross for us. We also confess that he came to earth to bring us to heaven, that he was condemned to die, that we might be pardoned, that he endured the suffering and death of the cross, that we might live through him, and that he was once forsaken by God, that we might forever be accepted by God, accepted by him. The sacrament thus confirms in us God's abiding love and covenant faithfulness. By his holy supper, our Lord seals to our hearts the promises of God's gracious covenant and so assures us that we belong to the covenant family. Let us then be persuaded as we eat and drink that God will always love us and accept us as his children for the sake of his son, Jesus. Our Lord promises, moreover, that as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we are fed with his crucified body and shed blood. To this end, he gives us his life-giving Holy Spirit, through whom the body and blood of our Lord become the life-giving nourishment of our souls. He unites us with himself and so imparts the precious benefits of his sacrifice to all who partake in faith. The Holy Sacrament is also a means of grace that unites us with one another in the bond of the Spirit. For the Apostle says that we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one loaf. 1 Corinthians ten seventeen. Even as he unites us with himself, he strengthens the bond of communion between us, his children. Finally, the remembrance of our Lord's death revives in us the hope of his return. Since he commanded us to do this until he comes, the Lord assures us that he will come again to take us to himself. 
So as we commune with him now under the veil of these earthly elements, we are assured that we shall someday behold him face to face and rejoice in the glory of his appearing. And what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all go see Jesus. Our Lord Jesus will surely do what he's promised. Let us draw near to his table, then believing that he will strengthen us in faith, unite us in love, and establish us in hope. Now to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. We're going to join together in saying the Lord's Prayer. It will be up on the screen. Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we draw near to the table of our Lord, let us confess our Christian faith by reading the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.